You are listening to episode 18 of the Bob Lab podcast. I interview former host of the Inside the Monster podcast, Joey Capone, and I talk to him about what the Red Sox should do this offseason. Alrighty, I'm here with Joey Capone, formerly the host of the Inside the Monster podcast. So Joey, thank you for coming on today. Hey, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about our beloved Red Sox. I know there's so much postseason going on right now. Mm. Philadelphia Phillies advancing to the World Series over the San Diego Padres, but back to the Sox. Disappointing season, to say the least. What's the biggest thing you think the Sox need to do? Let's get into that. Uh, Get people who can throw the ball, uh, particularly starters and relievers. Uh, Pretty much just a whole new pitching staff would be pretty sick. Uh, The thing is, if if you look at offensive and defensive stats throughout Major League Baseball this year, the Sox are an above-average offensive team. Their lineup is pretty strong. I mean, if you want to subsidize it with another piece or two, I mean, I wouldn't say no, but that can't be your priority. You've got to get, realistically, two new starting arms and at least two bullpen arms. And there's not a huge free agent class for relievers uh, or starters, for that matter, but more so relievers is uh, thinner. So you're probably talking about some trades, uh, thinning out the farm system a little bit potentially, which is not exactly Heim's forte so it's going to be a challenging offseason and then that on top of re-signing Devers re-signing bogey more pressingly so it's going to be a busy offseason man it still feels like it it's not quite here yet with the World Series still uh still looming but uh once things get going in the offseason man it's going to be busy for the Sox hopefully oh I, re- I really hope so especially this year more than ever you know you're really uncertain about your future you know, with like Bogey, um, you were mentioning like, you know, resigning him should be everyone's number one priority. Bloom has mm-hmm. come out and said we're making it his number one priority, which I love to see. And I listened a little bit to your show about, you know, the urgency in signing, signing Xander. Um, my co-host, Nate, doesn't really think it's a priority. He'd rather Devers than Bogarts. He'd rather slush uh, story at short, mm-hmm. but... How important is it for the future of the Red Sox in that leadership position, you know, that they get a deal done with Bogarts? Um, So I can tell you how important it is, but there's people with a lot more oomph to what they say who have already said it. Now, David Ortiz has said it. He said, you know, this is this is your culture. Your culture is gone if you lose this guy. Pedro Martinez has said it. Uh, Alex Cora has said it. His teammates have said it. Uh, you know, Chris Sale um, and Heim Bloom has talked about how, how big of a priority it is. So it's so much more than on field stuff. And on field, you get a guy who is just in a batting title race and is a gold glove finalist. So any of this like playing around with bogey's value or trying to devalue him in any way is just irresponsible. It's just not true. Bogey is an all-star He's your captain. It's and it goes so much deeper than on-field stuff. I think if you lose Bogey, I think you lose your fan base in a lot of ways. I think that's one thing that makes the pressure on Heim as high as it is, is that everybody is saying it. It's not like 
there's a divide where some people like resign bogey and some are like, Hey, you got to move on. Like you can't give them too much money. It's like 99% of people say, give bogey his money. Let's keep him here. So the, for Boston fans to be united on anything is not exactly commonplace. So uh, the temperature's up, man. Everybody is telling you how important it is. I can give, give my side of to what I think, but like there's people who are way more important and way more knowledgeable than I, who have already said it. You know, urgency more than ever. I feel like for Mookie, it was like, trade him. See, you know, we're in cap hell. Go for the future. This is different. You know, we're seeing a lot of the Dombrowski um, contracts go out like Avaldi, Martinez. Um, I'm trying to think of another name, but we're seeing all those guys leave and you you get more money to spend, you know. And I knew coming into the season, they're not going to get a deal with Bogarts done. Like, you're kidding me? He even said so, but it's almost certain that he's going to opt out and try to get the max um, deal that he's going to get because Boris, why the hell not? But with the free, I want to talk about the free agent market a little bit. I know you said, you know, we're not known. The Heimblum era is not known for getting big free agents. I know story, but like story's different. Consist players like Judge, Turner, Dansby Swanson, Edwin Diaz. Other than, you know, showing interest, because, like, that's the, that's the word I love, or the phrase I love. Sox are interested in this guy. You can say the Sox yeah, are interested. interested in everybody. Yeah. Do you see, in the bottom of your heart, could you see a deal? Like, in any scenario, could you see them getting someone like Judge? Judge is a weird one. Uh, Judge is tough, because in any other scenario, a guy with his numbers and a guy searching the contract that he's searching, I would say absolutely not. But for whatever reason with judge, I just can't say absolutely not. I just feel like there's a chance. And part of me, part of me wonders if that's just optimism in my heart that I want to believe that they have a chance to judge, but I don't think that's it. I think there's some logic to this feeling. And I think, I think a lot of it has to do with who he is as a guy. I know that sounds dumb and there's way more important things to this. And, um, and, and that's not why you sign a guy, but something about this organization seems to gravitate towards guys that fit here, you know, and judge is a class act, man. There's no other way to say it. He's, He's a guy who who comes over to opposing dugouts and introduces himself like to the PR team, you know, says hi to Heim and AC and uh, takes pictures with fans like Red Sox fans who want Aaron Judge's autograph. So maybe that's me talking myself into it because I like Judge and I would love to have Judge here. But uh, in any other situation, man, I, I, I think the odds of, of signing a guy like that are pretty low. And like I said, it shouldn't be your number one priority to go out and get a big bat. That's like really not where you're lacking. You know, you did lack in some power this year, but that's because guys who you expected to bring some power just didn't bring it. It's not like your lineup is fundamentally short of those things, you know? So if they went out, signed Judge and nobody else, and there are no other big splashes anyway, no, no big... Uh, pitching acquisitions, I would not feel very good. Totally so, agreed. So it's like, it would be cool. I would like it a lot. But if that's the only move, then the Sox are in trouble. Okay, let's set the, let's set the stage a little bit. 
let's say mm-hmm. hypothetically the Sox get judge on this five-year blank check, mm-hmm. hypothetically. But they let Bogarts walk. They get a few good trades here and there. Maybe they move someone like Dahlbeck and Duran. Maybe they move on from York, who had a down year in, I think, high A ball. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, if we improve that pitching staff, both bullpen and starting, and the starting rotation, would you be satisfied? No, and because of one thing, and you said it's because it's because of bogey walking. I just I just don't I really don't envision any scenario that includes Xander Bogarts wearing another team's uniform making me feel okay. I just don't. This guy is as has been so open and honest about wanting to be here. And that's something that Boston media and Boston fans complain about year in and year out. Like, does this guy even want to be here? And this guy has shown you he does want to be here. He's shown you with his actions. He's shown you with his words. He's shown you with taking a hometown discount in the past. And and all year, you've, you've badgered him. He's dealt with it great. He's been a leader. He's led by example. He's had the best defensive season of his career. He's had one of the best offensive seasons of his career, if you don't count his power numbers. And to come out at the end of that and say, yeah, man, sorry, we just can't match. We want to go with Aaron Judge. I would not feel good just from a fundamental fundamental moral standpoint. I just wouldn't feel good about it. I'd be like, what more could you have possibly wanted from this guy aside from taking a second hometown discount? If there's anybody outbidding you within like a reasonable number, I guess, if somebody offers him like $50 million, like you can't really blame him for taking that and you can't match that. But if within a fundament or within a, a reasonable limit, you can't, be outbid for Xander Bogarts and still feel good going into next year. It really doesn't matter what happens around that in my mind. Yeah. Bloom is in the hot seat. I would a hundred percent say so only because, you know, all these, we see uh DePoto extending. What's his face? Julio Rodriguez. We're seeing a lot of these GMs extend their future. Put the brazen example. They're extending their future for cheap. And I'm not, I'm not putting blame pie on just solely on Bloom. It's also goes back to Dombrowski on Devers, too. You know, going back to Bogarts, I know I keep jumping. If any, if anyone, sorry, if anyone other than Boris was his agent, I think we've already got a deal, you know? There's a chance that there's a chance that the talks move along quick right now. I know that Boris wants him to get to free agency, but the Sox have apparently met with him multiple times. Yep. There was that tweet that kind of circulated uh from uh i do not remember i, I know name, exactly what latin you're talking reporter. about reporter yeah a latin reporter who, who basically said there's a bomb dropping soon uh there's a chance that that is the bogey news or, or there's a chance he just made that up because he wanted some instagram followers but there, there's a chance that, that things have moved along and you know xander has told boris to kind of kick rocks before you know earlier in this year uh boris said openly to the media we are not discussing this contract mid-season. And Bogarts, within a week, yeah. Xander Bogarts talked to the media and he said, that's not true. Uh, we can talk mid-season. So he's already told, put Boris in his place a little bit once. And he's like, hey, this is my contract. This is my career we're talking about. So you don't run the show, I do. So if there's anybody who I think that can supersede Scott Boris, I think it is Xander Bogarts. And I think if he gets a deal that he likes enough, if the Sox give him, you know, 31 mil uh, for six years. Does he turn that down just to see free agency? I don't think so. 
Not that I think that's a realistic offer, but I'm saying that there's a number that he could see that he says, you know what? I'm good with this. I just want to get over it, be done with this headache, get back to playing and not have to worry about this stuff anymore. Yeah. You mentioned like, you know, six years, he's 30, I think going into next season. Um, what do you think is fair? If, if you're, if you're, um, Heimblum, put you in there. I know just, mm-hmm. just in the moment, how many years do you think you would give him? So- uh, the number that I keep throwing out in my head is 196, and that's uh, 28 over 7. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, that's 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 like a big contract. That's like that's like ceiling numbers, but that 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 I think is realistically how high it could get. I don't, and when you put it all together, and he's one ninety six, it's one hundred ninety six million dollars. We're not talking about a three hundred million dollar contract, a four hundred million dollar contract. Like there are these crazy contracts that are being thrown out there. I don't think that it's um, outlandish to offer Xander a thirty seven year old Xander twenty eight million dollars. I don't, hmm. I especially feel- when you think of like what contracts will be at that time. Seven fair. years from now, That's is twenty eight million a, a crazy thing to be giving to uh, an aged veteran, your captain who's been there for at that time twenty years? Yeah, that's actually true. You know, that's a good point. I was gonna kind of disagree and say maybe four years. I don't know. One, I want to say one fifty, but that feels like a lot. But will that make him happy? Sure. No. I mean, no. I well, I mean, five years won't. Five years is the kind of lowball offer that is going to make him go out and look somewhere else. Because then he's going to say, like, he doesn't have five good years left. He, he Everybody wants one contract to to end out their career, right? Or, yes. or to at least take them to the that's promised exactly, land. That's exactly true. And, and so five years, he's going to – Boris is correctly going to tell him, hey, we can get at least one, probably more like two or three more years than this if we go to the market. So if that's their first offer the Sox come in with, I would – if I was Scott Boris, be like, we're not even thinking about this, bro. We're we're testing the waters and we're going out to free agency. I mean, we look at Carlos Correa, who took you know the highest free agent, not free agent, highest position player deal just above Rendon. I know you talked about a lot of this stuff in your episode. Mm-hmm. I know some of it's not new, but you're exactly right when you say you know Boris wants to get the most out of his um, clients. What the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And he's a great agent to have, man. If I was, oh, yeah, if I was in the game, you kidding me? He's he's the guy I would want. But uh, I, I think uh, the thing Bogey knows that Scott doesn't is Scott. I'm on a first name basis with Scott Boris. He's my he's my good buddy. Um, the one thing that Xander knows that Scott doesn't is how interclub relationships work. So as much as Scott can tell him, hey, like they're not going to be upset that you went to free agency. Xander knows those guys and he's going to feel an obligation to, to maybe not go and test the waters and maybe take that first offer. So it, it's, it's dicey, man. There's a lot that goes into it. And I, I don't envy Xander's position, man. If I was Xander, honestly, I'd probably just take the first offer just to be like, whatever, let's just get this over with. I don't want to deal with this anymore. It's been a full year of media questions. I don't want to go to a new city. I don't want to deal with these questions anymore. I don't want to do an off season of of meetings and all this like i would just want to get it over with not that that's the smart thing to do but it's what i would probably give into and it's the you know seven eight years where i'm if i'm high and blue i'm like i don't envision this guy being here for seven eight years that's against my philosophy you know hmm. it's that's just really not high and bloom but 
if he's well, gonna go this that would be a statement deal to get Xander Bogart's locked in and Devers locked in. That whole left side of the infield, which don't get me started on how hard it is to replace two great players like Devers and Bogarts, especially, you know, and the Devers conversations, the Matt Olson thing was, I think behind Matt, the Matt Olson deal, which they allegedly proposed, that deal probably didn't envision him playing third base for, I don't know, the eight years that it was designed to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe you put him at first, maybe you put him at a DH spot, but, you know, you need that corner infield more than ever. And if Bloom gets those two this offseason, along with more pitching, I'd be satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. You don't, like I said, you don't really need to fortify your lineup. I don't think, obviously I would take it, but your, your focus needs to be on pitching. I, I do think the one thing, just to, like one last Xander thing yep. here is <clears throat> that, the second you lock up Xander, let's say let's say it is six or seven years, your trade value of Marcelo Meyer immediately plummets. And I don't think that's something that like gets talked about enough is that when it is clear to other teams that you don't have a path for this guy, his value to you, the Boston Red Sox, is lower now. So there is there's really a, a bidding war that that changes drastically that drops a lot. So your return for Meyer potentially, if you were looking to move him, not that I think that's the the right move necessarily. I mean, not but, now, obviously. Yeah, but I mean, it, it would it would significantly change what the market for for Meyer looks like, knowing that there isn't a clear path for him in Boston. And maybe maybe Heim has word, you know, and and whatever uh, that that. Meyer's going to be ready in two years, and he really believes in that guy. It, what's hard is is getting the fans on board with such a thing, and telling Facts. them, yeah, and that that that's what's going to be tough. And uh, Xander, God bless his heart, man, he's not a DH. You can't sign him for six years and say, okay, three or four of those are going to be as your designated hitter. It's just not his kind of game. Not so, after the year he had defensively. Yeah, no, it wouldn't make any sense. So. It's weird. It's an, it's a strange position, man. I don't envy really anybody in this situation, except for I guess Xander post contract, whatever money he gets paid. I envy that that version of Xander. Yeah, you mentioned like you know, this is my last bit of bogey talk. Then I have something else I want to touch up on. You mm. talked about you know if there's not a clear path for this guy, trade bait. Marcelo mm. Meyer. If you get Bogarts locked up, you know Marcelo Meyer. I, I related to C.J. Abrams of the Padres in a way. You know you have. Kim, who is great at shortstop, then you have Tatis, but like Tatis. Um, That second base with Cronenworth, you really don't have a slot for him in the future because that whole infield is basically set for now. Yeah. But I I wouldn't envision Meyer getting traded before he gets a little taste of the bigs. You know, you know what I mean? I feel like they got to try possible, yeah. him in the bigs before they try to see what his value is. Sorry. And it's a weird position to kind of put him in if Xander is still around. Just have him platooning to to shop him and to audition him. It's it's not a position anybody wants to be in. So it's weird. It's definitely weird. And I don't know how high they are on Meyer. We just don't know. Yep. You know, nobody's in those conversations. Nobody's in those meetings. So we just don't know. All right, so that's all I have on Bogarts. I want to move to, you know, Cassis for a second. Mm-hmm. We got Hosmer. 
in that strange deal, you know, the Heimblum uh, magic, you know, getting him for a few years. Um, with Cassis and Hosmer being, you know, the candidates for first base as of right now, assuming the DH spot is up for grabs, mm-hmm. who would be your choice for that starting first base spot? And you can include Bob if you want. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. God bless Bob, but I'm all good right now. Uh, Bob has some proven to do if he wants to show us he's a major leaguer. Um, I don't know if I see either of those guys, you know, playing 140 or 50 games, you know, I don't think either one of them is the guy. Um, I think there's going to be a little bit of a platoon going on there, at least early on. If I had to guess uh, by the end of next year, going into the, the postseason next year, Cassis is, is locked in your everyday first baseman. I think he's, he has the potential to be that guy. I just also think there's no need to rush him and say, hey, you're the everyday guy. Unless he's very vocal about wanting to play every day and needing that, then, I mean, what skin is it off of Hosmer's back? Why Why not? You know, he's he's an aged veteran who's, who's uh, you know, serving as a mentor to this younger guy. He's getting paid, and it's not uh, on the team's wallet. So it's not like fans are going to be upset that he's not getting playing time. I'm sure he's happy to be there and be along for the ride and serve in this new role. I'm sure he's excited to be out of San Diego where he's not getting screamed at anymore because of a contract that is not his fault. So uh, another Boris guy, I mean, another got a great contract. Can't blame him for that. Uh, but unless you're a San Diego fan, I guess you can. <laughs> so uh, I, I, I foresee uh, platoon early on for Cassis's best interest. Uh, and then by the end of the year, Cassis is your full-time first baseman. That's exactly kind of what I envisioned. You know, if you get Martinez back, you know, cheap, which I'm debating on that, you know, not totally against it. I'm yeah. I was going to say, I'm not totally against it. Just don't spend like 20 million either, yeah. but back to my, my point. I could definitely see by, you know, if Hosmer's just doing absolutely terrible, you know, saying Cassis, okay, you're the guy. If one guy's struggling, you know, okay, you're the guy. I could also see that with Hosmer. Mm-hmm. But first base has always been a hole. It's never been, you know, yes, this is the guy. I still don't think it is because Hosmer... I think he's produced like negative war on the plate in his time in like San Diego up till now. But Mm -hmm. I really, it's spring training might dictate what goes on because, you know, battles in spring training are still a thing. I know spring training doesn't dictate anything. You know, Bob, Bob probably hit like seven bombs in spring training and didn't even get seven bombs in the regular season. Yeah, he was hitting 850 in Fort Myers. So, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I could see spring dictating that. I also know that like you're, you're. I would be stunned if you enter next season with like, hey, Hosmer's our guy until we see otherwise. Like you called yeah. up your top prospect, number two prospect at the time, Tristan Cassis. Like you called him up to be your first baseman. Like 
Hosmer's job is to usher in Cassis as the first baseman. I think it's just a matter of how long is that? Is that this year or is it the following year? I think that's even saying that out loud. It's like, there's no way it takes that long. I think, I think if, if, if you go into next season saying like, now nah, Hosmer's the guy and Cassis is there, if we need him, I think you got a problem. Absolutely. I mean, do you have a no trade clause on Hosmer? I'm curious. I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah, it came out a couple weeks ago, actually. I'm pretty sure it's a, a full no trade. Full? Yeah, which is weird because people talked about it, but uh, about trading him, I don't get why you'd trade him. He's yeah. he's a mentor who you're paying like $11 a day. So Yep, that, just, is, that is true, you know. Yeah, just give it to him. Who cares? Keep him around as the ball boy. I don't care. <laughs> well joey that's all i had for you but thank you so much for coming on today hey fun. absolutely man yeah yeah thanks so much for having me and a huge shout out to bob nightingale for just tweeting things before they even happen you time traveling buffoon i am i am i told you this before we started recording and i have to get it in before we cut it off here just give it a sec if you're at the game anybody and you and you want to tweet something out give it half of a second the game's on a delay I don't need to see the biggest hit of the postseason pop up as a tweet notification rather than seeing it with my own eyes. Uh, but thank you so much, man, for having me on here. I really do appreciate it. Love talking socks. And uh, anytime you want to chat, man, just let me know. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Joey. Take Absolutely. care. Bro. You too. Once again, thank you to Joey Capone for joining today's episode. You can find him on Twitter at Joey Capone. There are no A's in his last name. It is C-O-P-P-O-N-I. Once again, thank you, Joey, and go Sox. Sports betting is a tough nut to crack. Breakthrough with SportsbookCheatSheet.com. Sportsbook Cheat Sheet's statisticians give you the edge in football, baseball, golf, and basketball betting. They don't tell you what to do with your money. They do the research, crunch the numbers, and make predictions so you can make the best picks all for less than 20 bucks a month. Register online now or sign up for a free trial at sportsbookcheatsheet.com. That's sportsbookcheatsheet.com. Sportsbook Cheat Sheet. Analytics for an edge.